This is Transistor.fm. In 2013, I interviewed Jason Calacanis, the angel investor. First business was had a copy of The Empire Strikes Back, and so uh, I was making copies of that and selling it for 30 or 40 bucks a pop. One of the things I asked him was, why do venture capitalists take these big risks with their money? There's a lot of money in the world. There's trillions of dollars just sitting around, and people are bored, and rich people are getting richer and richer every month, you know. These billionaires, you know, have 50 million or 100 million dollars in profits on their investments, and they're just sitting there like, okay, what do I do with this month's 50 million dollars? Oh, just buy a big house that's worth 50 million dollars. None of us can understand it, but that's the truth. And when the yeah. stock market is roaring and their investments are roaring and the polarization runs through, like it's like, oh yeah, I'll put a 10 million dollars into this. I'll put five million dollars into this. Why not? They're bored. Yeah. The market, the money, the money is bored. Money wants to burn. Money wants to be spent. Money does not want to sit. In a, in a safe. Yeah. Money is intended to be gambled. Put it on black, spin the wheel, let's see what happens. <laughs> what, a, what an interesting idea. The money is bored. You know, John, Buddha, and I are bootstrapping Transistor.fm and Spots.fm, and we've invested our own money into both of these projects. And when you're self-funding a startup, your money is the opposite of bored. Your money is stressed. You're, you're caught between these two realities. You're investing real time and real dollars into the product, but the product isn't yet giving you a return. For example, we're launching Transistor.fm on August 1st, 2018. And right now, we have 51 early access customers and $781 in monthly recurring revenue. Now, let's say that when we launch on August 1st, we double MRR to $1,500. What would it take for us to get to $21,000 in monthly recurring revenue? Enough for John and I to quit doing our full-time work and just focus exclusively on Transistor. Well, there's a tool that Barometrics has, forecast.barometrics.com, and when I plug our numbers in, it would take five years. That's assuming 10% exponential growth and 5% churn. Five years. 60 months. That's a long time to wait for a paycheck. There's this tricky tension when you're bootstrapping a SaaS. On one side, you're investing in this product that could be an incredible asset. I mean, if Transistor hits $20,000 a month, that's dependable recurring revenue. That could pay John and I for a long time, and it's unlikely to fluctuate a lot month to month. Even more, that's, that's a sellable asset. That's something that someone might want to acquire down the road if we ever wanted to sell. But on the other hand, we are investing time and money into something that isn't a sure bet. It's a risk. So it's easy to see why bootstrapped founders get stressed. And it's easy to see why so many experience burnout and have to quit. 
That's something that Mike and Fred talked about on their podcast, Hit Reply. After like a month, you start feeling it, right? And motivation levels start dropping and it starts kind of affecting, I guess, your health. So I get to a point where my motivation levels really start dropping. And because of that, I start eating worse. Unless you can somehow jump in and stop that cycle. It it doesn't end very well. And I think that's where we often hear the stories and the famous stories of burnout, which are almost like car crash endings where it all falls apart because you've been going so hard. Bootstrappers who are building something new have to walk this really fine line. We're investing a considerable amount of time and effort and money to launch our product. But at the same time, we also need money to live. And it can be years before SaaS can support you full-time. Which has got me thinking about Basecamp again. What Jason Fried and David Hannemeyer Hansen achieved with Basecamp is what most bootstrappers aspire for. Heck, most of us would be happy for even a fraction of their success. They've long been the example of how you can self-fund a product, bring it to market, grow it, and have it succeed, all without needing venture capital or angel funding. But that story many of us have been telling ourselves about how they achieved that success isn't quite right. Yes, they've been bootstrapping Basecamp since 2004. And yes, it was profitable from the beginning. But in 2006, they did something a lot of us bootstrappers haven't paid a lot of attention to. Here's Jason Freed on the Foundation podcast. So uh, in 2006, um, uh, Jeff Bezos got in touch with us. Um, he'd seen me speak at a conference in San Diego at ETAC in 2005. Um, and a few things came together, and he was interested in what we were doing. He liked our message. Our, our, we're a very long-term focused company. He's a very long-term focused guy. And for, for me and David, my business partner, it was, it was good because, um, you know, this is 2006. We weren't sure if this base camp thing was going to last. We didn't know. It was an opportunity for us to take some money off the table and put a little bit of money aside just in case. Jason and David took this investment from Jeff Bezos. And what made me think about this was this recent interview David did on Startup.co. And in that article, the interviewer asked, as you've built Basecamp, you've been really vocal about resisting the temptation of unicorn culture. How have your perspectives changed? And David's answer is interesting. He said, It wasn't without temptation or struggle to stay like this. Ironically, part of what did give us the confidence to turn down that whole world was a small sale of equity to Jeff Bezos. That gave our personal bank accounts just enough ballast that the big numbers touted by VCs and acquisition hunters lost their lure. This is something the bootstrapping culture doesn't talk about a lot. 37 Signals, the poster child of the bootstrapped world, took investment two years after they launched the product. And that Bezos money didn't go into the company. It went into their personal bank accounts. And then David says, I really wish that more founders who are onto something could find ways to diversify their accounts just enough 
to dare to go the distance. Jason and David were able to hedge their bets. That Bezos investment removed a lot of the stress and risk that comes from bootstrapping a product, from self-funding a product, from doing it all on your own. And bootstrappers have created a religion about building something from scratch and just doing it all. But what if that ideology leads to burnout or bankruptcy or not being able to go the distance? It's something we need to think about. What do you think? If you're listening to this right now, you can reach out to us on Twitter, at TransistorFM, or you can contact me directly. I'm the letter M, the letter I, Justin, M-I, Justin. If you're listening to this in Breaker or CastBox, leave us a comment right in the app. And while you're doing it, if you could also give us a heart or a thumbs up, that'd be great. You can also email us at mail at transistor.fm. That's it for this week. We will be back with a launch episode next Tuesday. If you want to get notified when we launch, sign up at transistor.fm. Podcast hosting is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm slash Justin and get 15% off your first year.